Start your engines! Yeah. <laughs> right up, okay. Um, this is the last one of these, then, is it? We did agree that we're only going to be doing six. Well, you said we would only do six and see how we go. The play count is... Go on. 618, mate. Oh, Everett. Everett, Everett. Let's be having you. Um, yeah, happy days. Um, if you could keep, everyone keep sharing and keep spreading the, uh, the word. Spreading the chat. Yeah, the chat, the great bants, top-notch bants. That'd be appreciated. Mate, there's really only one place to start. There absolutely is. It's in a, the world of sport in Luxembourg. Yeah, the, the sun was shining today, wasn't it? Or it is. The, the Republic of Ireland, zero, okay. The Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, population of approximately 600,000 people, one. Gerson Rodriguez, 86 minutes. What a screamer. Did you see it? What a screamer. Not sure about his haircut, but what a screamer of a goal. Um, as, as, as I've alluded to, there's my big word from last week. I've got another one coming out for you later on, Tom Stanton. Oh, good. Don't worry about that. Good. Yeah, just got to check the spelling. Um, yeah, I know nothing about football, but you know, fantastic to see them doing well. My only downer, if I'm going to be mm. negative Nigel, if you like, is that it wasn't in front of uh, 60,000 people at the Aviva. I'm not sure if they were sold out, you know, but, but funnily enough, or, actually, would, or whether it would have been 1 0 to Luxembourg. Yeah, 60,000 fans. I mean, they, uh, fans influence, as we discussed, fans do influence uh, referees and influence whatever the, whatever the way. We don't want to take it away from Luxembourg. Uh, no, actually, so congratulations to the Lux football team. Great to see. Um, it's, and just touching on the fans, I think the real shame is you can be sure um, Ireland, when they come over here, will be gunning for Luxembourg. But, you know, obviously, they've got this brand new stadium here in Luxembourg, which I believe is nearly finished. Um, and it's 5,000 people, is it? No, I think it's 12. 12,000 fully wow. loaded. So, um, and it, it, mate, it looks, it looks pucker, mate. Pucker. It does look good. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, you want to get the fans back in. Um, but certainly with a result that like be, that would yeah, we, we think that would be sold out for the return fixture obviously there's a big Irish community over here you um, uh, interesting one on the old national stadium Josie Bartel you, you've been up there haven't you I have I've been up there a couple of times I, it, it certainly needed to be renovated or, or demolished. I mean, I don't know about being demolished because there's a there's a running track around it as well. So, mm. so I think it's it's good to keep those athletic. Nah, it's going, mate. Be flat in no time at all. Yep. So apparently it's all getting. Well, the second they can um, move into the new one, I think it's going to be. Uh, so is the the new stadium's called jo- Josie Bartel no, as well. No, is it? No, no. There was a thing uh, running about it about what they were going to call it. I think it's just going to be called the Luxembourg Stadium. Very original, as always, you know. Or they get a sponsor. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But um, be quite cool to play in it. Obviously, having played in uh, in Joseph Bartel um, a number. Of so times. there's a chance that you might play in that stadium. I bloody hope so, mate. If I'm not retired or haven't been in front of twelve thousand people. Well, you know, I have to. I might go and buy all the tickets myself and then hand them out to people. You know, just so we can fill it out. <laughs> no, but we. I mean, even when we were at Bartel, you get you get sort of. Um, you know, you get. 1500 people I think they've had 2000 down at a game before and there's you know luckily enough paid myself before coming to Lux was that the Sweden Sweden game? which one? the the home game to Sweden two years ago the the one that required a kick to win on the final final moments why are you doing this? (laughs) 
And was, 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 was that the biggest September good, game? Yeah, I don't think there are too many people at that game. I don't remember about that. Um, speaking of Sweden, so here's a story from a few years ago. Um, <clears throat> I was teaching, when I was teaching over in the UK, Oh, by the way, before we get started, Scott Brown here. Nathan Snade. As uh, the Let's Point Pod, uh, episode seven. Um, had some positive feedback, hopefully sorting out the sound, and it's getting better and better. Uh, we're doing all we can, but to be brutally honest, we don't really have a Scooby what we're doing, do we? No, we don't, and we're gonna be honest with that. Yeah, um, exactly. So if you're complaining about the sound, we'll try and sort it. If you're complaining about our chat, uh, just don't listen to us, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> turn it up louder in your car if you can't hear us. Exactly. Um, yeah, so a couple of years ago, uh, I was obviously based over in the UK. Now, this was the first year that we'd gone up into Division One. So this, we were, we were in a league with uh, Ukraine, who are we in with? Let me think about this again. Sweden, Czech Republic, Lithuania, and Latvia. So big, some big, big teams in there, like physically big teams. Um, we lost the first game against Latvia. Um, we did all right. The second game, um, now normally you try and get out on the Thursday before a game. Um, and, and normally that wasn't a problem, but for this You mean not go out, out, you mean fly out? Fly out, yeah. Arrival. Oh, you wouldn't go on points before a game, obviously. You know, wouldn't want the, you know, we get in trouble for that. It's not, it's not a booze culture, you know, not, but like in the... Uh, you never know what goes on. You know, in uh, John Sutherland and Tony Whiteman those days, do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, um, so normally fly out Thursday morning, train Thursday, run through Friday night and ease into the game. Now, I couldn't get time off um, from school. I, I, they were quite good, actually, to give me a bit of time off for some games, but but not always the case. For, so for this game, I was actually flying out Friday night. Now, I finished school, caught past three, managed to sneak out five minutes early, bit naughty. School Let, as in being a student or being a teacher? Teacher, teacher. Um, sneak out a bit early, probably would have got in trouble, but hey, I don't mind that anymore, so don't worry about that. Pile into the car. Now, I made the stupid decision to go... Um, down and try and go around the M25, which goes around London. Now on a Friday night, this yeah, is a no-no. So no, 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 no. Anyway, so I've got to get to Stansted Airport. Uh, my flight is about, I think it's about eight o'clock, quarter past eight or something. So I had, you know, I had a good solid four hours to get down there. Anyway, so yeah, I'm in, I'm in my Golf, my Mark IV, glorious, <laughs> glorious car. Um, and the traffic's absolutely brutal. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sort of aware that it's gonna be touch and go, but Positive Peter here, you know, park the car and get up there. I get up to the airport and I've missed the flight. So I'm like, okay, there's obviously some words I can't use here, but obviously frustrated. Um, so I'm chatting to the lady and I'm like, when's the next flight? And she's like, it's not until tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so um, get on the phone. And I'm sat at the desk still talking to her, looking at the flights. There's a flight from Birmingham the next day, but wouldn't land until half two. We're kicking oh, off at four. So I'm like, right, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, and then I'm like, oh, can I fly into Germany? You know, hire a car or something. You know, you, you, you find a way, try and find yeah. a way. Um, no, nothing. It's some sort of German holiday. As he Germans! Um, so I can't, you know, can't do, can't do anything about that. As I go to um, turn away from the desk, I let go of my phone, and um, it smashes into about eight million pieces, and I'm just like, for goodness sake, let's eat some cake. Um, and I'm like, oh. so I, I'm, I, 
I'm stranded. I can't contact anybody. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Anyway, there's an internet cafe. Um, well, I say an internet cafe, internet kiosk. You know, where you go and put your euro in or your pound in over there. You know, it, 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 it gives you 15 minutes or whatever. So I, um, I, uh, I, I log on, um, and obviously I love me rugger, so I really want to play. So I'm like, you know what? I filled up the tank this morning. I'll drive over. I'll drive over to Lux. It can't be, shouldn't be, you know, it'd be easy enough. Um, I chat to my brother, because if you book in advance to go on the Eurostar, you can get it quite cheap. Well, the Eurotunnel, you can get it quite cheap. And, uh, yeah, let's just say, having gone from a trainee teacher to a full-time teacher, my salary was not the best. So I was like, Craig, I need to book this thing. It's a couple hundred quid. Can you throw it over? Yeah, Craig's loaded. So cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. I did pay him back as well. I don't pay (laughs) most people back. But I did pay him back. I want Um, confirmation, Craig. He did pay you back. Anyway, so I'm sat there. I'm in an R in. And then I text uh, one of the lads who I was going to be staying with, Max Dozan, who we've talked about here before. Um, And I said, mate, I'm going to drive over. I've missed my flight. And he just laughs and says, right, I'll see you in the morning. Um, And I can hear this, uh, this family talking. And my French, I like to think my French is all right now, but back then it was shocking. And I know for a fact they were in exactly the same um, situation as me. They'd missed their flight. And to being the good Samaritan that I am, I just walked over and butted into the conversation and was like, here, I, do you speak English? He was like, yes. I was like, right, that's a good start. And I said, here, I'm going to, um, I know you've missed your flight. I'm actually going to drive um, to Luxembourg um, and I have uh, four seats in the back of my car. So if you want to, um, if you want to lift, <laughs> um, you know, you're more than welcome to join me. And he just said, yeah, can you give me a second, please? And I was like, yeah, fine. So he went and obviously spoke with his wife and he, he had two kids. And um, so I then messaged Craig and said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I messaged Max and be like, yeah, I'm going to leave now. And then I sort of had to butt over and be like, here, I'm going now. So you need to make your mind up. Bearing in mind at this stage, I've done a full day at school, so I've been in since um, probably seven, half seven. Patience, wearing a bit thin, a bit fatigued. I've had far too much caffeine. I've probably had about 17 cups. I'm normally down to about eight or nine a day at the moment, but on that particular day, I had quite a lot. So anyway, I don't know if, if anybody's ever driven. So the Stansted Airport is basically sort of, it's not north, it's like northeast of London. It's on the um, northern side of London. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, M20 to through Kent, past Maidstone. Well, that, well, that's where I have to go down that way eventually. But so you go from me, you go down to the M25, you go over the Dartford Crossing, yeah. um, and then go down and towards basically go down towards Dover. It's Folkestone where you go to. And um, so, yeah, pile into the car, and obviously, your man's English ain't the best, so it's not the. <laughs> Not the most, you know, I've even got the 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 phone smashed, I can't plug in the iPod or listen to anything. So I'm just sort of sat there, quite tired, um, and it's it's a long old drive. Get down there, and I'm hoping to get some sleep in the car. But the cross is like 37 minutes or something stupid, so you can't even sleep in the car. Uh, Chatting away, you know, his wife and the kids are all fast asleep in the car. And um, I get into, um, pull into, uh, obviously we get into Calais. And the first thing I do is go to the petrol station, uh, you know, fill up the car and then get a sandwich. And, um, and I'm like, can I have one more coffee? Well, obviously, I, you know, so I get one more coffee and uh, pile that into me and it just does nothing for me. And the next sort of three and a half hours whilst I'm driving to Luxembourg, I don't have a clue where I'm going, by the way. 
I'm just I've aimed for Brussels and I'm like okay right there's the it's like the E three four one or something like that to yeah. Luxembourg. So yeah, pile in and it's just it gets to the stage where I am almost falling asleep at the at the wheel of the car. So I'm like winding down the window, like putting my eyes out the window, trying to keep my he eyes. Never, he never asked to drive her. No, funnily enough, he didn't. He didn't. Um, and um, I um, so we kept going, and then. I basically got to about half six in the morning and I was like, well, where, where do you live, mate? And he's like, oh, it's just up here. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, right, yeah. So I dropped them off at the house and then he, he, I helped them get their stuff into the house. The kids are obviously, poor kids are absolutely shattered. Um, and, um, and then he came out and he tried to give me like 200 euro. For some reason, I was like, nah, don't worry about it. I was driving anyway, so yeah. I didn't, you know, could have paid my brother back. That would have been easier, wouldn't it? Instead of having to set up monthly instalments or something like that, you know? Um, and then he said, look, stay on. He basically drew this sort of map um, on this bit of paper, and I followed it. And then I was coming, so I've come into Luxembourg, and you know where ISL is? Yeah, and there's the big park and ride bullion on the right hand side. So I'm on the far right hand side. I don't have a clue. I've never driven around Luxembourg in my life. I don't even know where Max lives. But all I see is the uh, um, the big round ISL building. So I'm like, I know he lives near that. So I literally just plow. This is about seven o'clock in the morning. Just plow across the track. I don't even care anymore at this stage. Plow across the traffic. Start driving up, and then I spot this big church, which I know is is literally the road over. So if you're ever up in Bel Air, there's this big church tower and you can see yeah. the clock on it. So I was like, he lives near there. And mate, there's this bike stand and I just literally, I uh, drive, I put the car up on the pavement and just <laughs> stick it next to the bikes. I'm like, whatever. Get the kit bag out of the car, walk round to his house, ring the doorbell. He opens the door, just starts laughing at me. It's half seven in the morning, right? Get in, sort of amble up the stairs, get to sleep for about an hour, and then he comes in and I have a coffee, and then we have to go, we do a captain's run on the morning. So have a captain run. Oh my goodness, I'm so tired. Stay out afterwards, do a bit of kicking and whatever. And then Max has obviously told a few of the lads what's happened, but I, I, I've, I've had no sleep. But who, was, who was the coach then? John, John, John Flynn. Okay. Um, it, this is really bad, but I never actually told him until sort of afterwards and stuff. But I'll get onto that in a second. Um, and so we've rocked up. We then go for lunch. You eat lunch, and I am on fumes, like literally on fumes, mate. Um, and I try and go for a sleep, and I can't sleep. And then you get on the bus, and then uh, the blood gets going and stuff. And I just have yeah, you know, about a can and a half of red bull, absolutely bouncing for the game. I have an absolute stinker, absolute stinker, shocking. Then after we, uh, we, we lost 19-0, but to be honest, it, it felt like a lot more. Um, and um, yeah, after the game, you know, the boys liked to go out. I, I was in no fit state to go out. Um, we went to the function to show face, came home. I fell asleep on his couch in my like full number ones in the shirt and tight. And we're just talking like this, you know, head rolled back. Head rolled back. Woke up. About four o'clock in the morning, I just had a blanket put on me. I was still tied, top, yeah, top button still done up, the cuffing still in, just lying there, just like, what is going on? I just fell back to sleep. And then I, I sort of, Max wouldn't be a big drinker anyway, so he, he was back fairly early. Um, and I uh, got up about eight o'clock, had a shower, um, 
and then it's like, well, um, I had breakfast, and then I'm like, oh, guess I'll um, guess I'll drive home now. Drive all the way back. So he lent me his TomTom, which obviously was a lifesaver. Um, you could get out of belly. Yeah. So um, yeah, just yeah, ended up driving home. Phone was smashed. I didn't really have contact with anybody. You know, if I'd have broken down, I'd have been in a world of uh, what a world of trouble. Bit of a miserable weekend. Well, really. it's funny actually. I'd say I'm nearly, nearly finished for anybody who's fallen asleep in the car listening to this. Um, yeah, obviously get to Calais. You know, get get back on it and then start on the, the long road home up to M25. Pull into the service station. I think it's around like up near Canterbury. Um, have the greasiest Burger King in there. Um, and then eventually, you know, I think I got home about eight o'clock because I wasn't really in a rush. And then, um, yeah, just sort of went to bed, got in the next morning, in early on a Monday morning, and well, I'm going to have staff meeting for my department. And, oh. I was, and I was like, can I just tell you what the weekend was like? <laughs> and that, that's basically, I just, re- yeah, just told that. Maybe whole that's story. what you should have told you, your coach when you arrived. What, what had happened? What, what had happened on your trip? They probably wouldn't let me play, huh? Uh. You know? But yeah, I had a bit of a shocker, but that was quite a funny one. And uh, yeah, obviously never heard from that, never never heard from that family again, never seen that family again. Hope they're all well. If by any chance that you happen to be listening, please reach out. If you know who these people might be, yeah, definitely reach out because that'd be uh, be quite funny yeah, to see how they get yeah, themselves. journey from Stansted oh, to... I should make uh, it happen, don't Pittsburgh. you? Yeah, the thing, things we do to get a, to get a game of footy yeah, or to, exactly. to, to play our I sport. Had, wow, I wish, we. I wish I hadn't played that game. Yeah. Sorry, you can do a bit of talking now. I'm out of breath, bud. Wow. Um, so the um, if, if, if we move on from the Sweden story, Formula One, we're back at it? Yeah, back at it. Hamilton, again. But there was something to do with um, the uh, Max Verstappen overtook him, but it was on the outside the limits of the tracks. So it had That's to right. the place back, so he won. Um in, but it was in it was in Bahrain, mate. Bahrain last year. Did you see the Roman Grosjean crash? <laughs> the fireball. How has he not died? <laughs> he was a lucky, lucky man. Many he literally walked out of it, yeah. mate. Many crashes are like that, though. You see, the I same because they, they've got that new bit on the car. If they call it the halo, which is like the you know you've got the bit there. That's right. And they're saying that that genuinely saved his yeah, life. Um, saved him. Is there a race when um, Roman? Jean hasn't crashed. I mean, he is French. Guy, though. He is French. He is French. He's probably got, from Mel- well, he is, probably yeah. from Paris. He's not. He's not born in France, actually, isn't he? No, he's born in Switzerland. Although he, fly, he races under the the, but he's actually Swiss. Probably right? taxes. Probably it's a tax. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Grosjean well, likes to crash, does he? Oh, mate, forty-seven did not finish. <laughs> it's twenty percent, twenty six percent of his racing career. He's not, he's oh not finished. He, I mean, he's. Have you watched the um, Netflix? The, oh, that's really, the, um, the, um, Get inside the Formula One. It was very good. I know they did two What's seasons. What's it called? Drive to Survive. Oh yeah, that's it. Drive to Survive. It's class. Very, very, very good. Yeah, that was quite. That got me into. That got, well, got me into Formula One a little bit more. But normally it'd be on the background on a Sunday afternoon. But um, the series is very, is, is very. Very good, but yeah, that guy can that guy can crash. I'm not sure who he's racing with now. He's, is he still at Haas? Is he? Haas. Who the the, the on, on on that coming back to that series, the the guy the German um, the, the guy German with the moustache, guy, the yeah. moustache. He's funny, and his accent is he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. 
Which made me wonder at the, at the end, a lot of their um, team directors, I guess you could say, they remain the same. They don't often change, yeah. do they? It's, it's quite funny, Formula One, because a lot of it depends on how much, like, from a driver's point of view, is like, obviously it's the pinnacle of motor racing, isn't it? Because they're yeah. going the fastest and there's the most money in it. But a lot of guys are there for financial reasons because they've got a backer. Or yeah. if this guy comes onto this team, maybe he can bring 15, 20 million um, to the table. I can't remember who it was. Is it, is, there a, is, there, is it Sergio Perez? He's the Mexican guy. Or is there a Colombian driver? Mm-hmm. There's one driver who was almost essentially backed by their, by their government to... Uh, you know, to drive in Formula One. So again, I'm not. I need. I need to. I need to brush up on that and see who that. Um, who see that? Well, is. so Lewis Hamilton took a bit of stick last year when he won because he he wasn't he British Athlete of the Year. And they said, well, and there was a bit of um, controversy surrounding it. They said, well, is he really a sportsman? Wasn't he? Because he's because he's riding and racing a car. So a lot think, of it. I a think lot he of it is goes, a sportsman. Absolutely. Is he an athlete? He's definitely an athlete. I mean, these guys have to work. I mean, we're sort of only watching on the series, seeing right, what those stress, guys have to do, yeah, and, and yeah. the stress and, and um, their perception skills and their react their reaction times are, of, I mean, out of this world. So I, d- I think he's definitely an athlete, but it's you're, he's also relying on a on his the, the, the mechanics, the the um, well, the reliability of the car. The reliability of the car. I mean, who was the guy? There was um, was it Vettel? No, who whose car um, at the start in the, in the warm up lap? The uh, um, electronics failed. Yeah, so there's a, you're relying a lot more than just the athlete. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, but yeah. What else went on on the weekend, Scott? Um, obviously we had the re. Oh, that second game. Here's one. Who was your Nors that was calling me out on the uh, on uh, what was he saying? My Angolan, the, the the Angolan prince. Yeah, I was talking about eligible or illegible. Yes. Well, what do you say? Do you say rescheduled or rescheduled? Which one is it? It's same same. Is potato, it? potato, potato, isn't it? I saw there'd be some noise Garage, out there. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Whatever. We'll ask him. Anyway, talk Adam about Peter, Scotland. Adam, Adam Peterson, let us know. Probably him. Okay. Uh, Scotland, France. Uh, Scotland went over one. 27-23. Unreal. I think. I wouldn't, have backed, I wouldn't have backed that. No. I, I, I thought France were the, were the, were the best team. Throughout the Six Nations, yeah. however, it was result results wise there was no clear best best team. No, I mean, no, exactly. yes, what, yes, Wales won the Six Nations. They only won marginally in, in, in their matches. Uh, England so beat France marginally. Scotland beat France marginally. What it comes down to though, isn't um, it? You know? um, so quite an even competition this year. But that that lad, the big Safa, uh, Duan van der Merz, Merz. Mate, mm-hmm. he if the Lions go, he's going. I'm telling you, he's. Oh, he's a beast. Strong as an ox. Beast, yeah. Um, Finn Russell picked up the red card. A lot of red cards at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, there have been a few. There have been a, f- a few. But there was Reds a and, and yellows being... There was something to do with... Um, because it fell outside the international window, Scotland could only pick... F- something to do with five players or something. They're, they're basically oh, they're restricted. I didn't know that. So yeah. because they'll they'll be assigned to play for their clubs. This well, it's weekend. expected that they would play in the. Um... So there's an agreement between the the um, the the national union and the clubs to say right the national window goes this to five window, weeks, this four is, weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. And it's a compulsory release of exactly. their players. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
and you know whether uh, when you get a fallow week so when you don't have a game do you go back and play for your club or do you get a week off you know all these sort of things to um, so how many so Scotland had didn't have their full full side their full stack of team or no well well ironically they end up going and getting the result of the tournament it's often the way isn't it yeah. you know um, but um, um, I've got to apologise to um, a friend of mine Mr Sam Sturley because he was out um, yogging or jogging yogging I'm not sure is Jay silent yeah you know you just run for an extended period of time basically we all know Sam doesn't do any jogging um he actually thought there was a fighter jet flew, flew overhead when the podcast started. You know? Oh, brilliant. That worked, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, we'll have to... Um, obviously, if you'd like us turn to change... Down, turn it down, sir. Yeah, exactly. Turn obviously. It, turn it obviously. Obviously, we're... Uh, Our sound can't be that bad. No, exactly. We're, uh, you know, we're looking for investors. Possibly you, you know. <laughs> so, I have a recording studio. Um, I was... Um, RTL put out an article this week and it was by a guy I know very well Paul Sweetnam who um, pulls the strings up at RCL and he was basically talking about how um, the um, it, was to, it was to do with the whole COVID and sport thing you know we've essentially got a diminishing number of young people to almost look after an increasing number of old people which is how it read again read the article very very interesting as I said Paul is the heartbeat of RCL um, and they've gone from, you know, you do two nights a week where the juniors and the seniors train. They now train on the same nights and then you do a Saturday morning, you know, so you've gone from having three sessions a week and now they've had to, because of the COVID restrictions, you've got to run, um, you know, in, uh, almost 15 hours of coaching a week to cover all the uh, age groups. So, you know, big, big shout out to... Um, it's people like Paul that makes, makes sport in Luxembourg. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, I mean, people in these clubs that are going the the extra mo- the extra mile at the mo- at the moment to make things work under the under the restrictions that we've got. Yeah, I mean, that's I just can't. I mean, the, the administrators and everyone, everyone, coaches can't wait for it to to relax a little bit so yeah. we can get back to normality 100%. with sport. Hundred um, His article was very good, very well well written, and 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 he had a lot of lot of support. I saw as well. Um, went around the community. Um, thanking him for a, for for a well first of all well written article but but most importantly some of it was that was correct that was um, yeah I, 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 I enjoyed reading it and I agreed and I agreed with him I mean obviously that's that you know RCL I know down at Wolfalange they're doing um, they're doing doing all they can to keep the kids active um, I actually messaged uh, El Guido and uh, Stefan from uh, from Orphanage, I'm hopefully going to hear back from them but at the time of the recording I have not so I'll obviously um, go back to that um, Jonathan Prince do... he's involved with Orphanage rugby with the seniors I believe okay does he play or is he does he does he manage it or no I don't think so I think he's one of the coaches down there is he so um, yeah you know because I don't want to just talk about RCL because that's not fair I don't even play there anyway, I'm a Mets boy now. Sorry, Mets, Mets boy. Um, squash. It's all over, the little tea league. Did you beat him? No, got sorted out. I got sorted out. I didn't win all my games. Uh, one four from five. He's too good. He, he's, he's, he's too good, too fast. I can't turn my... No, do any tricks? Nah, not with someone that's too fast. Remember it's all about confidence, right? You've got to be confident. 
I'm not a, I'm not confident against this um, this young lad. He's just too too quick. <laughs> if I can slow him down and I can contain him a little bit, I can take control. But he was. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he was he was too he was too good. Um, How did your other old boys go? We we got to win. We got to win. So the, we, it was a five week series, and we lost three two. So overall, the youth team won fourteen matches, and the masters won eleven. So quite close. So that the, from because I organised the event as well, organised the, the league. Um, it's perfect. It was a very very close time, very enjoyable, and it's good to listen to what the players say, how they and how they've enjoyed playing it. It's a little bit different than what yeah. they would would um, normally do. Obviously, having no crowd, no spectators, you organise your game at the end. So it's like so. It's basically social squash. You play at the own time. Um, but really, really positive, and we also played people we wouldn't normally play against, yeah. and that was a, that was a good thing. And the, and these young guys, um, or the, a lot of the older guys, they don't know some of these younger guys, so they were very kind of proud to say, mm-hmm. hey, these these fellows have turned into good young men, yeah. you know. And um, and I think these relationships will form, which is what sport for me is a big part of, of it is all about. Um, here's a question for you. This, for this is a bit this is a bit deep. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know when you were younger and you're playing squash, you love it and, you know, you, you, you beat anybody or, you know, whatever it is. But was there a point um, where you're playing against someone or in a tournament where you're thinking, yeah, this is, um, this is tough or yeah. this is too much? Yeah, there was. There was actually. And uh, so when I was, I would have been, I think it would have been 20, 19, 20, just come out of juniors and I was thinking about but potentially going and, and, and being a pro player and playing on what they call the PSA, the Professional Squash Association, the World the, the Tour. Yeah. And I, mean, I know that I was another, um, uh, I know that I was uh, just an, an, another number, but if I persevered and stuck to it, I believed, I, I, I certainly believed that I could have made, broken the, to the top 100 and even, even more, and, and why not give, it, give that a crack? Certainly didn't believe I was going to be a top 10 player or, or top, th- top 30 player. But um, at that time, a young French side toured, and, it, and in, um, in that French side, it had a, a, a young lad called uh, Grigory Gaultier, and Grigory uh, Gaultier consequently was world junior champion, French champion, um, European champion, uh, alongside another guy with, called um, James Wolfstrop from, from England, so I knew that he was, he was hot. But he was 16, and I was 20, and I was just about to let's say, become or wanting to be a pro, which thinking, is this the, the line? And when I was training with him, it was, it was much and much. But every time he was hitting the ball, I, knew, I, f- I really felt under pressure. Yeah. But it was good because it was pushing me, pushing yeah, yeah. me along. And we played, I think, three or four matches and in, in competitions in, in, in that, within that tour. Um, and every time he beat me 3-1. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm... 2021 and I'm wanting to be a to, to, to go pro or have the balls to go pro and do it tough but I'm actually losing to a 16 year old nah I'm out did you consequently um, consequently Gregory Golte is, is one of the all time is one of the all time greats in fact he's, he's um, now 38 and he's probably coming to the end of his career I know he, he played a tournament in the Black Ball Open in Cairo last weekend and he was he got to the quarterfinals so he's 
he is one of the best players ever to ever to grace the squash uh, the, the squash courts. So it wasn't so so bad, but it was actually that, that those matches that said, you know what, I I, um, I haven't got, oh, I can't I can't play at that level, and um, I let him have the uh, glory. I wasn't going to stand in his stand in his way. I mean, it, it sort of bounces back to um, what we said before about just because you didn't get to the level you wanted to be at doesn't mean you weren't successful. My, yeah. my one question, my yeah. one question is, <clears throat> you said about you being 20, 21, does it become different if you were younger, if you were exposed to that level at a younger age, do you think it might have been different? Well, when I was 16, I certainly wasn't that level. Yeah. Certainly not. Um, but if you'd have played someone at a younger age, when maybe you were a bit more naive, you were a bit, bit, bit more naive, and you think, yeah, you know what? I, I reckon I can take this guy. Maybe that changes your approach to training, and maybe that, possibly, possibly, yeah. I, um, <coughs> I mean, I played because I enjoyed it, and a lot of people say, you know, what, what um, you know, we talked about last week. I think you said about uh, teachers having an influence and being. Proud. I, I, I mean, I did have squash coaches that were, were, were an influence, but my, my sole reason for playing sport or playing squash was because I enjoyed it. It was fun, yeah. it was yeah. social, and it was fun. That means that I had a bunch of lads wherever I could go in the, in the, um, in the world. What about with yourself, like in, 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 in rugby, do you get, like I had, we, we had people that could, um, like in squash, you're, you're playing down the line, let's say some, let's say we call it a straight driver. And when you're playing a weaker player, that ball will bounce just in front of you and you're able to time the ball really sweet and you can nail it or cream it because you're trained to do that. But when you're playing a better player, that ball goes, that pitches, it lands on the, on the ground just that little bit behind you. And then if you play a better player again, it pitches. So you've got to kind of learn to play a really good ball straight back again behind you at speed, at pace, being on balance and it's tough. Can you relate that back to, does that happen in, in rugby where, where guys just run better lines and catch you out? How does it work? I mean... I guess I could throw that question straight back at you. Was there a, you know, was there a time? Was it, was yeah. it the same? I, I was expecting this question to come my way. Um, yeah, well, so obviously I had a year um, when I played uh, was up at Mosley in the Champ, but, you know, it wasn't a season, mate. I was holding a bag there all year. Played like, what did I play? I think I played two, minute, uh, two matches and then two minutes off the bench once. Um, but we were playing a game, it was just before Christmas, and we were playing uh, Ealing Trailfinders, who are sort of at the top of the championship now, trying to push on to the premiership. We were down at the bottom with them, and uh, this is just in the cup, and they've put, up, they've put out their champ team, if you like, for the league, and we've put out ours, but with a few people sort of getting a run to see how you go sort of thing, and I was one of them, and there was a, there was a young back, low, back row lad, Joe Carpenter, as well, and mate that was that opened my eyes in terms of these boys like you're going off a shortened line out to so going off a five-man line out they had some fella who i think had been on the books with ulster uh this big number eight and um he'd been released so he was over in the champ and mate this bloke was running so hard off the back of the line out and he wasn't coming to run at a, a soft shoulder he was he was coming to sit me on my uh, on my oh, derriere, right. yeah. and thankfully, um, you know, the first I got sent absolutely flying the first time, and the guy who was the coach, Kevin Mags, he just came to me and said, "Browner, I know you're not a big defender, but you just you have to get off the line. You just have to hit him with something." So that's basically what I was doing was flying off the line, trying to you're trying to sort of double team these big blokes, and um, it was it wasn't super fast, but 
you just something like that knocks your confidence a little bit and it's just then you're thinking about this and you, you start ignoring this and yeah that was the you know and that sort of that's the bottom that's the bottom of the championship and then so right. at the top of the championship is going to be a step up the premiership is then the next level then you're talking European challenge you know the Heineken Cup so it gets to a point where you just think that those hurdles are just so great well I, I yes and no I mean if you're I, that's why I asked you about the whole age thing because I think if you're younger you know if you're thrown in um, and this is going to lead on to another topic we're going to talk about if you're thrown in as a 17 year old 18 year old you're backed by that team so even if you have a stinker you're probably going to get another go at that yeah. point I'm sort of 25 26 you know if you yeah, went up sure. to it then you ain't you ain't going to get another crack at it you don't get me wrong it's a great experience and you know you know, getting to play against the likes of Northampton and, and Bristol and stuff like that was amazing and playing in front of four, four five, six thousand people was amazing but that, that was the point where you're like yeah wowzers this is fast and that's I, you know now I'm still playing and I still enjoy it and even when you're playing the big games I can always relate back to that experience yeah. and be like it will never be as fast and as physical it's as It's interesting because I think we share the same very similar experiences there because I don't think of myself as a, as a top squash player I'm a good squash. I'm a good squash player, and I'm a, and, and, and I'm and I'm a. I believe I'm a top teacher and a good a good coach. But um, people still now when I when I get to go and play um, in, a, in a league match somewhere in, in Germany, they they're they're still you can see their faces like wow that is just you know how you move like this and how you perceive and how you play it's really at a at a high level. But I don't consider myself as. I, I can I can play and I hold my own and I'm good, but it really in comparative uh, on a on a global level, I just consider myself as another Joe Blog sort of thing. Another Joe Blog. Yeah, so. I mean it's the same for me with rugby. Obviously, I love my rugby. Now there's this perception, you know, rugby's a big physical sport, and yes, in some instances it is. You know, there's certain yeah. positions, but the position I play in, I'm there to talk and communicate and m- move the ball and kick the ball. That's what I'm good at, and I know yeah. I'm good at that. So like the amount of times. You know, I've been. Oh, you can't tackle and stuff like that. I'm not. I'm not that bad a defender. Yeah, yeah. I smash boys. I love a shoulder charge as much as anybody. You yeah. know, but there's other things that I am good at. And as you become older, it's. Um, I've seen you pin a few people around the around the pins before, mate. So yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. Certainly, you um, know, but even down, even like playing down in mess. You know, it'd be like. Scott, do you want to defend at scrum half, or do you want to spend at full defend at fullback? I'm, well, I'm, I'm with you, man. Wherever, yeah, wherever the traffic, wherever the traffic isn't, pal, I'm all over that. Funny, just just to, just to finish off, um, a friend of mine, Ali Birch, he had to retire, um, so he played for Ulster a couple of times and then came over and played four or five years in the championship. And this was the, at the same time when I was um, when I was playing as well. He was a quality player, mate. He was like, yes, you can argue that I could have had the opportunity to play against him but this guy was unreal and you know gutted he's, he's obviously had to retire he played for Rotherham Titans now they've sort of gone on a bit of a downward spiral but they used to be a big big championship club they they had a stint in the premiership for a year then Felipe Contopomi played there you know yeah. so they were they were a decent outfit anyway they've come up to play us I think on the first day of the season right they had two of the biggest number eights I have ever seen right they started off with this guy called Alfie Tawala, who anybody around the UK will know, this fella, big, um, big Polynesian fella. This guy was massive. And at halftime, they take him off. They bring on this lad called Lawrence Pierce, right? And he was at Leicester Tigers. 
moved on to Leicester Tigers and he played a bit of Super League as well. His nickname was the JCB. <laughs> mate, and they just used to roll these big boys yeah. out for 40 minutes each. One would start, one would do second half. And I'll tell you what, it's like watching, uh, yeah, it's like yeah, 15 people trying to tackle a sumo. Yeah, it's like a de- David versus you know? Goliath, yeah. But uh, yeah, look, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. it didn't go, didn't go as planned, if you like. Yeah. But um, certainly, you know, do still look back on it with a lot of... Um, with a little fondness. Just bouncing back to the squash there, I was chatting to Burnsy. Oh, good. What, what is, can you do me a programme? Yeah, he says he's going to send you this programme. He, he gave me a bit of a sneak peek. He says he sent an email over to me, but he basically said, right, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, yeah. yeah, you do arms. Good. Okay, and then Tuesday and Thursday, you do arms as well. Yeah. Saturday, arms. Brilliant. Sunday, Monday, rest. Monday. Sunday, rest. Easy. It's spring, I'm going to be looking good for the summer, Burns. Mate, there you go. You heard it first. Mark Burns, University of Birmingham. I saw something. Something came up in a conversation last week. We were were falling around, having some fun time at work, and and Mr. Kevin at reception has said to me, have you seen this oil that they, they inject into... They're arms. Yeah, mate. There's like that Russian bloke who's like... It, it, so he's got a skinny head like myself. Yeah. Really quite narrow shoulders, but their, their, their guns... I mean, it's, it's absolutely... The biceps we're referring to here. Oh, 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 it's ridiculous. It is absolutely yeah, ridiculous. No, I have seen that. But everything else is just completely disproportionate. I cannot understand why anyone would want to do it. But anyway... Whatever... Uh, but I think, um, I think your man Burnsy's going to make me look like one of them. Yeah. Oh well, you know that's it's it's about you talk about mind games, intimidation, you know. Come come rock and walk up with it. Take a day off and climb these babies, son, huh? Won't be able to won't be able to um, move my arms. The um, the other one was the cricket because we we talked about this during the week, and I just I just showed Nathan a video of a guy called uh, Ross Taylor. Um, he's he he's from the bush. He's from, you don't know the bush, but Wairapa, which is the, pro- the, the the province where I went to school, Wairapa College. Is that where all the kangaroos live, are you, out in the bush? I oh, know, it's Australia, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's a different place. Um, different island. Uh, but yeah, Ross Taylor, he, uh, Masters Crison, he was raised uh, a couple of hundred metres from where I was raised in Wright Street, Masters, and I believe. There's a, few, there's a few athletes come out of the bush, I think I've said to you. There's a very, very funny video of some fella doing an, an impression yeah. of him. And it is. Because he's always got, he's got the twitches, like, hasn't yeah. he? He's always tapping. He's always like, um, Steve Smith as well. He's, he's, like, he, he's like that, has his, like, process, you know, touch the box, the five pad, the hat, you know, just sort of rolls around. Yeah. Uh, Someone's got that in another sport. We don't often um, cover tennis. Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt. Oh, he used to when touch he his shoulders sat, when, he, when, he, when he sat down, it looked like he, he was picking ants off his body, off his socks, off his shoes. He often... And you see a lot of people in sport, actually. I do it sometimes. I, pull, I touch the tongue or pull the tongue of my shoe so that it's perfectly... It's like a process, isn't it? Right. A cue. Yeah, a, a, cue. A, a, a cue. Yeah. For me, it wasn't, it wasn't a cue. It was more like, let, let's try and get down there, touch my to- toes to have a breather. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, one, of, one of those things, uh, I just didn't, didn't like it if the tongue of my shoe slipped to the side. To the side, it was yeah. uh, uh, annoying. It, it annoyed me as much as um, playing rugby with your socks now. Coming back to that just very, very quickly, because I've got a question. I was talking to um, Bex McKenzie during the week, and um, she was saying, gosh, oh, she, she was giggling at our podcast, and she liked the socks, um, socks up, socks down. And, uh, actually, and, it, and it made me think, 
If you were playing for the bar for a barbarians and you were representing your club socks, okay, one what socks would they revert to? Would they go back to your England side? Would they be RCL or would they be Mets? If you were playing for the barbarians, you're trying to get me a barbarians cap here. No, I'm not trying to get you. Bar- <laughs> I want to know what kind of socks you you you, you or what club socks you would wear. Don't know. Whatever, quite you don't whatever. feel you don't feel that you have an allegiance to to one club. Well, you know, played at a few clubs, haven't I? As, we, as, we, as, <laughs> as, um, as you've uh, so as talked about before, mm-hmm. play. Yeah, you know, um, Tosh Astrians, which is like a, 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 a maroon, a maroon colour with the uh, with the gold uh, with the gold, gold top, and then you've got. Um, RCL, RCL's boring socks though, Red, do you know what I mean? If you're going to yeah, wear one of those wacky socks, that's, boor, that's, the, um, that's boring. So, would you, um, would you wear them up or would you wear them down if you were, if you were playing nine? Oh, I'd be down if I was at nine, yeah. Your club socks? Yeah. Interesting. Really, really interesting. <laughs> Trying to hang me out. <laughs> so what we're going to do is every time we'll, uh, when we start getting guests on, we're going to have a board and that'll be the final question socks up or socks down we'll put a picture up on the board and that's where uh, that's that's where they'll go that's That's where they'll go Um, the um, it was an interesting one a friend of mine Sam Clues friend of the pod legend Mm -hmm. Um, if you are organising a stag do get this guy on yeah yeah he's worth it he's a uh, he's he's a tourist he's quite short shorter than me he, he is a bit of a hobbit. He's carrying a bit of timber, but he's an absolute legend of a bloke. You can okay. see him laughing. Let's laugh. I've got a couple of legs. Uh, Tony Whiteman. Yeah. He's a um, he's a brilliant tourist. You need him on. You need we him should on just go on a stag do. Just not for somebody's wedding though. But don't so call we'll it at all. Well, we, we can't really go on one. We can't really go on one at the moment. But we should. We should. As soon as I can just do a stag do for the sake of That's what we're going to do. We're going to put together the ultimate. Let's. Let's point pod the, the stag party. The stag, the ultimate stag. Yes, right. So we've got. Well, hopefully we'll make it onto that list as well, you know. <laughs> but he was telling me, um, Cluzy grew up playing uh, union, okay, but got moved up north for work, and uh, he's now happily married. Uh, congratulations, Sam. Went to that wedding, loose one. Um, and um, he was telling me. So he's big into his rugby league, and he's telling me this one about this guy called Joseph. I think it's oh, Salini. Joseph Salini. Wow. I so, mean, this is a this is a big topic. This so, one. So he's um, he's signed for the Roosters, uh, two million Aussie dollars for four years, which, as we know, is about fifteen euros. The same in New Zealand, isn't it? Um, but with Ellen Stone, he's not eighteen yet. So. Under the current legislation, he's not allowed to play first grade. Um, this has been brought in since 2015, um, presumably from a safety point of view. Welfare, um, yeah, player welfare. Yeah, but you know, as we talked about with like in rugby union, obviously you've got the full premiership sides, and then you've got most of them will have A league teams, so like. For example, Northampton, they call theirs the Wanderers. Sale call theirs the Jets. Uh, I think Leicester called theirs the Extras. Um, you know, th- this sort of thing. And this is where you get these young bucks, you know, who are in the academy, maybe tearing up for club, knocking on the door, and they come and get a run. But they're, you know, they'd be under 18. And you're still playing against full blokes, and some of those guys will be professional as well. Yes, it's not the full first team, do you know what I mean? But you're still going to be... Um, it's still going to be a step up on, on, a physical, on, a, on a physical level. I mean, it's a context. It's a context. We, we, I think, administrators, coaches, and, 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 and club owners, we have a sense of responsibility. I think 
I mean, it's one thing. To, it's, it's, it's absolutely. It's one thing to um, for me. One thing to be putting these guys out at, at, at squash where it's not contact, but in a physical contact, contact, you know, wrestling, rugby, anything. I think we have a. I think we have a responsibility of 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 maturity as well. He is seventeen. He could have the best step. He could be the fastest athlete in the world. But he can still train with those guys. It's not, it, what, is he missing? Is he missing anything, anything out? I mean, he's got to wait what one more year before he's not even. It's like you're talking a couple of months, I think, just before the start of the season. Um, I'm not sure. Probably, I'm not sure how it finished up. I'll need to follow that up whether he was allowed to play or not. I know uh, the Roosters were going around trying to get him. They were trying to get dispensation for him to play. You know, basically get an agreement from all the other clubs. Um, which I imagine they would have come Can back you imagine negatively. just one incident that he, he, I mean, because these accidents all the time happening in rugby. I mean, imagine if he took a, uh, took a, took a shot to his, to his neck, for example, that's, or a shoulder charge, and effort. really, really damaged him, just by, a, by a chance. Maybe yeah. he is strong enough and he's, and he can, or you've got teammates that can protect him a little bit. I don't know, but imagine there's just a, one incident. Yeah. And. That's what Billy Slater was saying. Um, you know, you never know, especially in a sport like that, how, it can all, can all be touch wood, it can all be very quickly, you know. There was a guy who played, an Aussie guy, called Rob Horn. Yeah. Who, uh, he played for Australia, and he... Um, a flag, no, no, he was a, he was a centre or a winger. Right. He came to Northampton, and um, I think he played for a year, and then he got made captain the year afterwards. And in one of his first games, literally 10, 12 seconds into the game, he's going to tackle the bloke off the kick-off, Hit the bloke, bang, severed the nerve in his, um, I think it's his right arm. And, um, yeah, that was it. Over, done. And uh, just, cool. there's a reason. Yeah, reason. Look at, look at um, Dan Carter. Went to Perpignan. Did his Achilles straight away. Yeah, and they're paying him big bucks to that, go there, absolutely. weren't they? They played, yeah. So you, you can, it, it, it can happen. Um, and I, I, would, I would hate something like that to happen to a... To a, a, a a young lad, I think it will put the game and uh, put the sport into a bit of unnecessary. But then that, it, it brings back to that question when we talked about the 8080s in New Zealand. Everyone, the kid, and we, we talk about this as coaches, as sports coaches, kids all mature at different rates, yeah. and they're not the, none of them are the same. So, why is 18? Why is 18 a perceived level of maturity? Because I could put up 10 18 year olds in front of us now. Different. And they'll all be completely different. So why is it eighteen? Why is it not twenty-one? Well, at what age is mature? Touche. I mean, So I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I think about it when I, I think I played my first senior game. I might have been sixteen or seventeen. But you're talking lower level stuff. You know, the third team playing with some old legends of the club. You can sort of run away from them, and then if they do get hold of you, you get a bit of a hiding on the floor, and then you know a few um, yeah. beverages that prey. So here's a here's a question for you, putting it straight out there. So you you imagine that you're the um, technical di- director with um, with with Crow for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and they and they who was it? Who's he playing for? Roosters, is he? Yeah, Roosters. So Roosters contact you, great great rivalry between the Chocks and the and, and the Rabbitohs. What are you going to say? What's your what's, are you allowed? Were you allowed to play, or were you um, or, or, or will you go against it? Rugby's a team sport. This is, this is league, yeah, league, yeah, rugby, yeah, yeah. league, footy. Mm-hmm. R- footy's a, 
I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to league, right? So I'll just say rugby league, rugby league. It's a team sport. One player. Is he going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. I don't believe so. So why, why the, why the why rush why to why? make him play two months earlier or three months earlier? I agree. I agree. We we share, do share a few things in common, Scott. Not many. Mm. Not like that picture you showed me of you playing rugby when I wasn't even born. Oh, that's gold, isn't it? We're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dig out some horrendous ones of me as well. Yeah, we got. We, we, we. I didn't like. I jokingly talk about the ankle, but you know the boots that go halfway up the ankles that Tom Stanton wears. But you actually wore them, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, actually, I, 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 the, the, the blisters you get on those bad boys. There's one in representative colours for the Waihera Bush. It bit bit, you played a bit of rep footy, did you? That first picture I seen you was Waihera Bush. What age group's that? Oh, JAB. And under eights, under nine. Under eights, and they have rep teams at under eights. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> Giving away caps, like playing for Luxembourg. Mate. It is. There's another, there's another photo that I sent you, which was um, Red Star. It's now Red Star Master, didn't they? They, 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 they merged. Um, there's this one little, little, little bloke in this. Oh, we're all little blokes because we're only eight, nine years old. But um, Jason Garrett. Now, his you little, showed me him. He, his he, little tots don't touch the, um, touch the floor. Do you see that? Is he like that now? We still don't touch I, the floor. I, the funny thing is, when we come back to this, I mean, we're talking. I'm, gonna, I'm really putting my age careful, out there. Not, careful, careful, don't you know? 1985. Oh, we're talking JB rugby. There's a few class things about this. First of all, they put put us on chairs where where our feet couldn't touch the touch the ground, which which obviously emphasises the the quality of the boots in those days. Leather, leather, leather Adidas. Rugby I think that's ball. more of a putting you in your place thing. You know, you can't speak until your feet touch the touch, ground. Touch the ground. Um, another notable um, point from that photo is um, um, Mrs. Karen Blair is the coach, female coach coaching young lads. We love we love women and uh, women in sport. Women coaching. Yeah, in great sport. to see. So that is so back in nineteen eighty five. That uh, that, that Do you was think that's that's a really interesting one because some people obviously have a an, an opinion, let's say, um, about you know women obviously getting involved in sport and it's great in rugby now we've got more um, female officials and female stuff officials referees exactly um, commentators I'm glad you brought this up because I uh, obviously had a, a session on YouTube and I found this video and it's uh, the Hurricanes put it out and there was a big was a couple of years ago there was a big problem with referees parents you know, referee from the sideline well yeah you know the, the armchair warriors oh. you know um, you know, giving off to referees and stuff, and I think there was even some instances where parents have got into fights with referees and stuff yeah, well, like that. Well, they're scrapping with themselves on the sideline, yeah. and, and then they, yeah, you know, and it's it's not, you know, as I said before, you, you, especially rugby, you talk about these values and stuff, um, and that's definitely not um, not portraying that. Tom, there's a big word. Yeah. Um, was that was that the word you were looking? The other word? I just made that one up. Okay. It's probably not even a word, is it? Um, but uh, hurricanes. To try and combat this, they put together this video and they took five of the, the the Kane squad, one of which was Victor Vito, and he had played for the All Blacks, and they put them in um, in, in makeup, in costumes, um, you know, just so you couldn't recognise them. And they went down to this tournament and um, refereed the matches, and you could hear. On the video, the parents' faces are blurred out because obviously they've said, you, you know, you, you, I'm not giving you permission to show that, which is, you know, you, you don't want to be, you know, fair yeah. enough. I would hang them out to dry, but that's just me. Um, 
and they're just giving dogs, dogs of abuse to the referees. And then after the whole tournament finishes, they call everyone in and they talk about the values of rugby and stuff. And then all the Hurricanes guys take off the masks and the makeup and stuff like that. And then all the kids obviously recognise them, who they are. And then all the parents recognise who they are. And the parents are all absolutely shrinking shrinking back to their little holes. Mortified, mate. Yeah. What a brilliant exercise. I had brilliant exercise. I had one at school. Um, cause, uh, I've said to you before, when you're, when you're a school teacher, you're expected to be an official for pretty much every match unless it's first 15 level, uh, which is often quite fun because you can be super harsh on, on your team, which yeah. I think is the right thing to do. And we were playing this prep school. Uh, my year eights were playing. And this young lad comes up to me and asks me this question. And like, this kid is 11 years old. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way you've got the, you know, you, you've got the knowledge to ask a question like that. Uh, so I answer the question, yeah, I'll deal with it. My view of refereeing at the younger level is, don't blow the whistle. Ah, it's play on. Oh, it's a knock on. Yep, all right, we'll have a scrum. You know, you don't, they're not there to learn the rules, they're there to run around and play. And um, as we're going through the game, uh, it keeps coming up to me with these very, very specific questioning about the laws of the game and stuff and I'm just like where, where's he getting this from and then there's a ruck and um, when, when you when, when kids ruck at a younger age they tend to sort of like not fly into the ruck they tend to sort of slowly come in together over the top of the ball and then it turns into a bit of a wrestling match and if they're stronger they'll push them over the ball yeah. sort of thing and this happens and then all of a sudden the ball flies out the back end of the uh, of the rug, right. and I just blow the whistle. They all look at me, and I'm like, I don't know what's happened there, but the ball shouldn't fly out like that. Okay, so that's clearly hands in the ruck, so we'll have a penalty. Yeah, no questions asked. Kids back ten, and then I look over on the touchline, and I can see this dad, and he's got this big um, Harlequins rugby jacket on, pacing up and down the touchline. And he's like walking over, talking to his. Um, talking to his little boy, who's the captain, who's the one that keeps coming over and asking me yeah. these questions. So I see him trot over to me, and I just lean down, and I listen to what he says, and I said, tell you what, you just go and um, tell your dad to let me referee, and I'll have a chat with him about the rules after the game, all right? And he goes, yes, sir. And he runs over, says it to the well dad, played. says well it to the dad, played, dad just mate. looks at me, just gives me the nod. He'll give me your odd a yarn with him afterwards, he was good as gold. Good it's good quite funny, gold. though, but, you know... It's, it's unfortunately it's not always as uh, as civil as that. You know? Yeah, that's right. There was if I just come back to that um, that this this picture again, which you've got to put out on on there. Um, or, or there's two pictures on there. Uh, the, a, a mate of mine, Mike Bradley, who we've um, commented on it a few times. He somehow at seven years old, he's always got himself in the middle, in the front row, in the middle of the. You know when you're standing in the. the so he's captain, is he? Well, he's always put himself there. And I find that in, 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 intriguing because it must have been a conscious thing. I'll get myself onto the middle of the chair. I had no, I had maybe no idea. I thought, I thought we just... Maybe he's told from a young age. His friends, his friends have told him to get himself in the middle. Get himself in the middle. But, yeah. I mean, it's very, very well played. Uh, it's a shame. Good match. Match. That'll, that'll, that'll come on. Coming back to it. I didn't recognise you because you have this big mullet in there. A, a big mullet is sticking out ears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coming on to also to that rugby thing, you know, that refereeing thing, it happens in, in, in squash or in sports where because refereeing can be subject. I mean, like boxing, it's decided on on the judges, isn't it? It's well, an opinion, isn't it? It's, it, it, it is, and 
Um, but when it comes to the refereeing, we have like uh, they have a responsibility because some of them do get a little bit whistle happy and a little control freaks. And in squash, it, it is the same as well. Um, but I like to think that the referee is in a position of power and, 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 in a, and have a, a position where they can control the game and influence the game and influence the flow of the game. And that's really what they should be doing. Creating flow, make the game as enjoyable, not only for the fans, but also for the, for the player to have their experience as well. It's a very selfless um, job, if you like, in that if nobody complains about you, like it's a negatively viewed upon role That's in the right. sense that how was the ref? Yeah, it's alright. That you, you've done your job. You've done your job. Who was the ref? There was an All Black that became a referee. Glenn. Glenn Jackson. Glenn Jackson. I'm not sure if he's still refereeing. He might have retired from it. It's nice that let's say a former or All Black or a, I know he's a um, New Zealand Māori player went back and and for me it's that's almost giving back to the game. Okay, yeah. he might have been paid for his job or whatever, but he, he went back and I really, I, I admire that because you get, get a lot of people that, a lot of sports pros go into commentating, go into co- coaching, but not many go into refereeing. Yeah. And I, I really admire um, uh, Glenn Jackson a lot for that. But anyway, on squash, it's, it's, it's very subjective a lot of the time and you cannot referee a, a, an under eights or a, or a lower level beginner beginner match as you can a professional match they're all they're all different but our responsibilities as a referee is to help keep the game flowing and to keep the kids safe that's your Correct. big one yeah. you know so if, if you ever uh, had it a couple of times uh, playing coaching uh, refereeing at rugby there's always going to be this disparity in, in in size so you're you know, there are instances where you blow the whistle and you'll call the front five over of the team that's dominating and being like, you are pumping this lot, okay? I don't want you to push on, uh, I just want you to, you know, control the push, just be in control, okay? Or I don't want you to push on their ball so they can have the ball off the scrum. Yeah. And I said that a number of times and I never once had a, um, a player or a coach complain about that to me. And that's sort of, because... We ain't there to watch the scrum, do you know what I mean? You want you want the kids to get get Yeah. Okay. The scrum is a contest, but reset the ball, let's go let's go and play. We're not here to watch scrums on a on a Saturday morning on the school yeah. field, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're probably about to come on to basketball so yeah. and get and get onto the, the those results because I want to see how my um, T seventy one go on. But um, there's a referee, a guy that that does a um, he has a little very good cook, but um, a lot of personal training here. Mika, like we call him, Maka Maka, a good friend of mine. And anyway, he was refereeing basketball, does refereeing basketball in Luxembourg. Yeah. And um, a, a few times he's had from the from the fans outside, he's had his um, car coined or. <laughs> I mean, here in little old Luxembourg, because a fan didn't like him, so they keyed his car. It's quite strange. I mean, you certainly, if, if you if you if you know Maka, there's no way that you want to key his car because um, he'd have you. Basketball. Yeah, mate. Um, You've been doing a good job keeping me up to date. How are my T71 getting on? You hold your horses, big boy, and I'll get to that, okay? So, residence, okay. Well, for we do the ladies first, okay? Good. Um, They beat Ed Seller, uh, 71-61. Amanda had a monster game with 26 points, and Sam Logic had 29 points as well, so great to see the girls crushing it again. Uh, Amical... um, they lost to T71. Get in! 72 63. 
Moosel Pikes had a big win. Yeah, eight, they're, they're good as well, the Moosel Pikes. 82-38 uh, against Contern. They've started coming up on my Instagram, Moosel Pikes. Yeah, because you follow them. Oh. That'd be why, pal. I'm useless in this. Sorry I'm, about I'm, use, I'm useless Sorry, on this uh, social media stuff. Um, and then Sparta. Remember, they, they were the ones that said they weren't going to have the pros over and stuff. Yeah. They got per-humped. Sp- but, uh, By Gr- Grangevold, is it that you say, Grangevold? 109.57, ooh mama. Anyway, oh, wow. on to the men's. Steinzel, Amakal, they uh, lost to Esch, 86.66. Uh, that's a, a pumping at 20 points. Yeah, yeah, this is another, you love a close one. Okay, Residence, Wolfenange again, they beat Content, 77.72. My big dog, Adam Eberhard, hit a late three-pointer in the game. That's the eighth win in a row for them. Um, I was chatting to him last night, and he says, I'm just, I was just curious about how... You are chatting to Adam last night? Yeah, yeah, about how they go around with the COVID. So they have to provide a negative COVID test on the day of their game. And so if you're playing two games in a week, you still have to do two tests a week. So but that's, are they the self-kits you can get now? I don't think it's a self-kit. It's still administered by uh, like a health uh, yeah. professional, if you like. But it's a not an instant one, but certainly one that provides a fast... Speedy result. Arantia, they beat Moosel Pikes 84 64. T71 men's pumped Heffingham 85 60. Edsella beat Sparta 92 um, uh, 74. And Telstar went down to racing. Racing missed out on notching up the ton and won 99 54. Well, there's nothing there evidential that's. That's um, being fast score. It looks on legit scores to me. Yeah. Nothing really close. Unlike that game, I, I sent you a message last night. I saw that. Went overtime, did it? I went into overtime. Full time, 1990. Uh, oh. Between who are the teams? Phoenix and. Um, How convenient. Charlotte. Of course, of course, of course. Maybe it's just the NBA. <laughs> um, obviously, it's been the, the great thing about you know not speaking to uh, or providing entertainment, should we say, to millions of people is. You do tend to get some uh, good bits of feedback from people, um, you know, over the course of whilst we've been recording these. I'm just going to give a shout out to a few people who have uh, who have been doing that. Um, James Router, who is he's a bit of a negative Nigel. Um, he uh, that means he, he, like, he likes like, black humour type things, is it? Well, he's 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 got a very dry sense of humour, but he. Um, he, uh, I meet up with James every week and uh, he, he, he's, he's good value. Um, and the bit of feedback he gave me about last week's episode, okay? The sound is much better. Scott doesn't sound like a stepchild from a family shouting to get his opinion heard from the basement, okay? There's clearly no furniture in the room to absorb the sound. Thank you, James, for your feedback. For anybody who's ever played- We have a cactus. Yeah, we do. We, we've got some plants in the room. Helps the room breathe, I'm told. You know, makes me feel better. Energy, energy. Yeah, absorbs our energy. carbon dioxide, yeah, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. So, thank you, James. We will discuss that later over Starbucks. Um, another lad, Matty Thornley, who we talked about, um, who was the lad who came over and helped us at the. Uh, That's right. I saw his comment. That was gold, wasn't it? Yeah. So basically, Matty, who I gave a shout out to. Um, um, I gave a shout out to you last week. Slagged, uh, slagged me off a little bit about apparently getting a good ball 
um, which is what he used to always say and laugh afterwards after he'd got out opening the batting after second or third ball. And then he asked me, did, did I remember him getting 49 not out on the AstroTurf mat at school? And I said, no, I do not recall this. Of course you don't. No, why would I? 49, who remembers 49? But I tell you what I do recall, Matty. I do recall you calling me out in a PE lesson, which then made me go and get my cricket kit out of the car and then me hitting you for the biggest six I've ever hit onto the sports stone. I was living the dream that summer, year nine games, Oakley's on, shorts and t-shirt, shocking tan, wearing a helmet and clubbing under 14s over long on. It doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. That is the pinnacle, isn't it? Yeah, my confidence, all my confidence going into play Div 13 cricket on a Saturday was unbelievable. Um, the old body is starting to creak, um, so I try and get in to see the physio as often as I can. Uh, the two guys are going to see are Brian Rasmussen and Eric, they're based down in Bonnevoir. I was getting treatment down there last week, and they said they had the podcast on in the practice. Oh, brilliant. What legends. Legends. Brilliant. legends. Brilliant. So, if you need anything getting fixed, um, there's your two boys that are based down in Bonnevoir. Actually, honestly, when we're in the season, if you ask Brian the amount of times I'll bowl in there on a Thursday, and I'm just like, fix me, you know, needles yeah. in the back, just everything. I've honestly gone in there not walking, and he'll manipulate or do something or whatever Put it is. Right so, the week. Yeah, he's very good. He he did stuff for the um, with the rugby boys, um, but now he does. He goes. He's been to the last couple of Olympics um, with the swim swimming guys, so. Yeah. He knows his stuff, good sense of humour as well, and he, uh, he gets it, and uh, yeah, he's an absolute legend. I had a few comments as well about, you know, my story about playing number eight. Yeah. Um, and I'd just like to, you know, just offer a bit of clarity here. Now, I'd just like to point out there is a massive difference between playing number eight, okay, or being at number eight and adding your insignificant weight to the scrum and what you were for one of these, doing. which is what I was doing. So I would not consider my, um, myself a number eight. I'd also like to point out that the rest of the people who were in the pack with me were all wearing roller skates. So that's why we went backwards uh, so, um, so quickly. I mean, it's bad enough when you get, you play, if you play rugby and you get stuck in one of those things, um, um, a ruck, you know, like after a tackle. And you're at the bottom. Oh God! And then, you can't. You can't be able to breathe under there. If you're if you're gasping for air, and then you get stuck at the bottom of the rack there, and and I mean, it must be a bit terrifying trying to get. Just horrible, mate. It's horrible. You know. You, sometimes you, you just sort of if you if you're there, just just lean into it and pretend you're part of it. Maybe get the stats up. But I mean, if you've got some guy's <laughs> ass in your face, and you can't breathe. Yeah. I mean, not that you want to be breathing, but I mean, oh. maybe it's not their ass. Um. Uh, the other one that really sends shivers up my spine, malls, <sighs> horrible, and you get caught. Okay. It's like, you know when you pick up the kids and they don't want to be picked up and they like hang and you try, <laughs> try and get to the ground, but you don't let them go. go That's go. what it's like and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Or someone will grab hold of your finger. Little trick in a mall, I was always told, not that I've ever got to use it because I don't go into malls, but if you pull the little finger, the hand always comes away. Oh, it would be horrible, horrible. Yeah. Exactly, but um, yeah, yeah it's when that wedged up in the middle of those malls you see that sometimes. Oh, when you get if you get hit and the ball gets held up and then someone hits you from behind, yeah, it's game over. The Irish are very good at it at one uh, at one stage as well. Um, we sort of went on to uh, you were talking about the funny funny cricket stories um, that um, that are going around 
And I, um, there's so many good ones that boys will tell you about. Um, but there's a brilliant one of, uh, I'll post it on the Instagram page. And it talks, it's a guy called, uh, who is it? It's Jonathan Agnew and Martin Blovelt, two very, very funny um two very funny commentators and they're discussing the uh, the end of the match and um, or what's happened throughout the day of play and uh, the guy um, one of the guys is very posh you know oh, speaks like this <laughs> very funny and uh, he's r- rattling through well such and such got 46 in you know half an hour or you know whatever it is and then he gets onto Ian Botham and he's like oh, Ian Botham got out the most extraordinary way and uh, Agnes comes in and is like, yeah, he, um, he modestly uh, hopped over the uh, stumps and uh, knocked off the bales with uh, his inner thigh. And then uh, Agnes basically goes, yeah, he just couldn't quite get his leg over. And then you listen to the rest of the video. They win into stitches. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Just, it's like schoolboys, you know when you get, you know when you know you shouldn't laugh, like if you've ever been in church and something. I'm in church, to be fair. Yeah, you get the giggles about something. And you try to keep a lid on it, and you just just start shaking. But you start laughing at you laughing at them. Um, th- that's just popped. The, that that situation happened to me in my second year of uh, teaching at Akeley. Um, as part of your like uh, CPD, so your continual professional development, the school will pay for you to go and do coaching qualifications or other no, qualifications that are going to further your knowledge. No, I, you know. I like to think I'd be confident as a rugby coach, but on paper, I actually didn't have the paperwork, if you know what I mean. So um, I managed to find a level two course, which I signed myself up for, and I also managed to get one of the guys I work with and then another coach, a friend of mine, Roddy Speakman, and Chris Hamby, who I spoke about, the, the Cornish player, yeah. two legends. So we're up doing this course, and I've got to watch my language when I tell this story, so I'll, I'll modify it slightly. Um, and um, basically you go in and the first day everyone's a bit standoffish because you don't really know everybody you go and meet some people you've got teachers you've got parents you've got students you get to know everybody break the ice it's good crap <clears throat> now I'm sat next to this uh, guy he's a hockey hockey player good lad um, and he was at a school in, in Birmingham and it yeah, just got on very well having, having a laugh and whatever and uh, one of the things you inevitably get onto is the um, is health and safety so like in preparation of your session what should you be doing before you do the session you know you check the terrain our terrain <laughs> you check the kit you know whatever needs to be done do you have first where is your first aid supplies where's the defib blah 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 all this sort of stuff and um we get on to checking the pitch or the terrain as i've said or terrain as they say in french terrain de sport um and um what what sort of things might we find on a pitch and like you know sometimes you might find cans sometimes you might find broken glass okay and there's this bloke this random bloke at the back and um and he just shouts out i'm not going to say it because i don't want to swear but he just basically shouts out fox sugar honey iced tea from the back of the classroom and the guy's like yeah and you're like sat there and it's getting towards the end of the day it's a three-day course you're like, yeah, fuck, sugar, honey, iced tea. And then you sat there and you just think about it and it just, it, it basically consumes you. You're like this. And you, you start shaking and you're like, and, and you, can't, you can't laugh. So you, you try not to laugh, 
And then next thing I know, the bloke next to me, he doesn't even know what I'm laughing about, but he's got it as well. So we're like this, and it just spreads, spreads, like literally throughout the room in in the middle of this lecture, if you like. Oh, that's the funniest (laughs) thing, one of the funniest things. But what was actually really funny was, um, um, you had guys who were teachers there, and this is why my one criticism of that course is they were very, like, super critical of your... um, of your teaching style and you've got guys there who are the parents you know we talk about that give up Mm -hmm. their time and luckily myself and uh, Hanbo and Ronnie who were in the school environment and a couple of the teachers we cottoned on to this very quickly and because we're teachers we're used to having our um, our processes and our teaching methods taught apart so you know if someone says something negative to me about my teaching I'll listen to you, okay? I'll either completely ignore it if I don't agree with you, or I'll take it on board and maybe implement it. That's yep. what it's about, you know, constantly implementing it. Um, but we noticed very quickly that these these guys who weren't used to this were really, really struggling. And I really I probably shouldn't say this, but um, on the last day, we're supposed to be um, um, you deliver your planned session to the other the other coaches, and you're. Um, You've got you've got these blokes who are basically absolutely terrified about um, having to uh, you know have to lead the session in front of, of, of their peers, and we luckily were left on our own for a bit, and we sort of were having a chat, and you know the teachers amongst us were like, "Listen, lads, we we'll get you through this, okay? Don't worry about it. We'll play ball. There's not going to be any messing around. We'll, we'll back each other up, and it'll be fine." And um, and 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 that was the case. So obviously the, the teachers, the more confident among us, we went first. Yeah, no problem at all. And you probably have to do about six, seven sessions back to back, maybe 10 or 12 minutes long. And these guys would come in and the, the bloke would come in and be like, I actually thought to, to these less experienced guys and be like, I actually thought your, um, this, was, this was good. But the one big problem you have is you didn't go and speak to these guys about the feet and give them feedback and stuff. And then the guy, the hockey guy pipes up and goes, oh no, he actually came over and spoke to me and was giving me individual feedback whilst the game was going on. And the guy's like, oh, I must have missed that. And then that sort of set it in motion. So all of a sudden we're just all backing each other up and stuff and getting it through it. So it's brilliant. We had a right, uh, a right giggle about it. And then about, about a month later, we had a day off. Uh, we, we had a free, we had a free, a free weekend. Uh, so had, had a quiet weekend and had gone down to the gym at the club on the Sunday morning and me and, and Ronnie and then we bumped into two of the coaches who were there and they basically came over it it was it was really brilliant and you could see them it, it's just you know it's like it just puts a smile on your face you know to see that, that we're obviously I was doing it to get a bit of paper if you like but yes. they're the ones who are actually they were out there implementing you know the knowledge, the knowledge. And, and hopefully the confidence that they'd uh, that they'd learned from that sort of thing um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It's quite funny. <laughs> getting, getting, getting through people qualifications, like exactly. But that's that's exactly. the problem you've got. You shouldn't be. You're almost you're almost undermining the value of a volunteer. Do you know what I mean? That's what you have to remember. At the end of the day, if they are giving up their free time, that's you know there has got to be a pinch of salt about certain things. You know. Yeah, yeah. Some hot news has come out of the squash world of Luxembourg in the, in the, in the last twenty four hours. Um, and comes back on and comes on the, on the volunteering. There is a um, there's a guy Eric Pesher who's put a phenomenal phenomenal amount of work into the um, in, into the administration of squash, keeping um, uh, keeping all the scores and in, in, in check and, and 
data entry and making sure players are legit and logit and, and he's resigned yesterday so I haven't got to the bottom of it of, of why he's resigned um, but yeah I'll, I'll touch on that next week volunteers and sport you don't want um, those guys resigning I hope, I hope it's nothing uh, too, too, too sinister but um, yeah I was a bit, a bit sad and, and, and shocked when I read that yesterday so hopefully I can give you some more information on that next week when we do our cast um, just one last bit. At, at the start of the podcast, I talked about how um, we talked about what Paul's uh, Sweetland's role at RCL, and I didn't want to just be about RCL. Now, would you believe one of the Wolford Orange boys has just messaged me back here? So I'm just going to quickly read through this. This guy, El Guido, he's, uh, or we call him El Guido, he's down at the uh, down, down in Wolford Orange. They only have 60 minutes because they have to split it into two one hour groups, okay? Um, obviously fitness, you know, because kids haven't been doing as much is obviously something they have to consider. Um, they try and put them into smaller um, smaller groups, you know, doing sort of parkour stuff like we do at Little Lines, you know, rolling, jumping, sidestepping, etc. You know, very basic exercises, um, you know, just catching and passing, going back to the this sort of bed, bed... Um, bare bones, you know, they, do, they can do a little bit of tackling, you know, hitting the pads and stuff like that. And I mean... Um, to be fair, it doesn't really matter about what the content is. It's just, it's good to see that you've got blokes like this who are still giving up their time. Absolutely. Irrespective of the condition, uh, the, um, in the current restrictions in place. Providing an element of fun for the youth. You know, it's great. Obviously, Walford Orange, the foxes, as they call it. The good foxes, are they? Apparently so. I might have just made that up, but they always have a fox on their uh, their Instagram posts. And fox or the rice tea, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know... Um, it would be great for us to get back to some normality. I just want to know that picture that I posted on our Instagram page. That does look like a Walford on shirt, doesn't it? With the green and <laughs> where, where, the, where the referees yeah. are about to bop a player. But it beat, uh, the referee's about to beat up all the Frankfurt, <laughs> Frankfurt boys. Huh? Frankfurt, yeah, good yeah. to see, good to see. But anyway, on that bombshell, um, thanks for listening. Please um, share with everybody. We love hearing about your... No, we don't love hearing. We love getting your feedback. We'll be doing a competition... Um, with El Taco Truck, LU, uh, yeah. in the week as well. That's going to be a laugh, yeah. actually, next Friday. We'll tell you more about that in our post. Um, Chicken or snake? Huh? No, I don't think, I think we've got everything covered. We've got a few topics to go through next week. Did yeah. you want to run through a bit of that? Not really, no. Not really? We'll worry no. about that later. Okay. All right. Take it easy, Next bro. week. Have Ciao. a good day. Ciao.